This is another episode of Flavor in Your Ear Podcast. A podcast about damn near any and every topic with no filter and zero regard for the easily offended. Everything you say upsets somebody. Please welcome the man behind the madness. The most important person with all due respect. Let's go! Your host and audio flavor maestro. My man. Marquise Edwards. Good afternoon, morning, or or day, wherever you are in the world. This is another episode of Flavoring Your Ear Podcast. As we continue to search the world for the most finest and brightest, I have today with you all another guest that I found, and I feel like you are going to enjoy it. So I welcome Noah Healy to the episode. Today, he is a rec- recreational mathematician and programmer working on upgrading capitalism for the computer age. Now, I know that may sound very, very complex to some of you, but I just had a green screen room with uh, Noah. He's a pretty down-to-earth and funny guy, so I'm quite sure he'll find a way to uh, craft this conversation that you all can understand um, you know, on our level, us, you know, us regular Joe level. So uh, introduce himself a little bit. How's it going, Noah? How you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, it's, a it's a great day here. Uh, I'm in, I'm on the uh, East coast of the United States in Virginia and it's, it's uh, pretty nice outside. Nothing like good weather. I'll tell you. So, so Noah, just to uh, heat up a little bit, warm up the, a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, your your background a little bit. Uh, how you grew up, where you grew up. Anything fun facts about you, just as a person, so we can get to know. Yeah, you a sure. Bit. Um, so I'm I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia, right now. I was born and raised in this town. Uh, I've been to other mm-hmm. places, done a little bit of world traveling. Um, been on three continents, uh, but only very briefly. Okay. Mostly, I just stick around here. Uh, I've been, uh, an inveterate reader my entire life, uh, and, and like taking walks in the woods, which the town's building up. So it's a little harder to find walks in the woods in town, but we've got a lot of parkland. Uh, and it's also okay. where UVA, uh, com- is, and that's where I went to college. And, uh, and that also okay. is a sort of large, the grounds, which is what we call campus at UVA, uh, is, is beautifully laid out and, and wooded and so on. So it's very nice there. Um, I, uh, I was the last person to study nuclear engineering at UVA and then got out, needed a job. And mm-hmm. it was the peak of the dot-com boom, which made getting into computers pretty easy. I hadn't really done a okay. lot with computers before then. Um, but I'd been exposed to computers all the way back to what I guess eight years old or so, uh, and once I started doing it professionally and researching the the language that was being used by the company I was working for, and then the underlying systems of computers, I became fascinated by the mathematics, and so it's been my sort of vocation and avocation for the last couple decades of algorithms and mathematics. And then um, the better part of a decade ago, I had taken uh, basically a sabbatical, done some traveling, visited family. I come from a pretty big family uh, all, all around and also took some time to think about mathematics and algorithms and I found this 
this system um, uh, using a game theory approach to the problem of information sharing that resulted in a new kind of financial model that is less expensive and more transparent than the kind of financial model that we presently have. And so uh, I did a lot of research, as is my want to determine that it really was something new uh, and and sort of how existing systems work to check it against them and so on. Uh, but really in the last uh, three or so years, uh, I've been working on the patent for more like six, but uh, that that was taking up some of my time in the, in the early parts. The last three or so years, I've been trying to push out um, knowledge about this and get get a system like this started somewhere, uh, so that we can we can see how it goes. Well, sound like you're a very smart smart man. First of all, I could just tell by the preparation, uh, dedication, and you know, a lot of times it's not easy for anyone to stick with anything over a decade so kudos to you for that Uh, just just as far as you know the input that you had and the work ethic that you had which we'll talk further about what what your product or you know what your vision is um but i I just want to say thank you very much for being able to explain you know your timeline just to show how much of a you know in a small summary how much of a hard worker you are and how much input it takes into making something new and testing things because what we want people to know is you know how much effort you put into you know like you said tweaking and and you said decades and and that's 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 a beautiful thing so when it comes to you know math and marketing um what did you figure out well what's the what was the correlation that you made with math and marketing because marketing is a big thing today in today's society of course right everyone wants to know how to market better and you know you got a lot of youtube graduates that try to learn things off the net but from a mathematical standpoint what can you say about marketing well the thing that's interesting um about marketplaces is that they're information systems and this is something that Mm -hmm. we should really expect to be seeing in our society and and almost to break our societies um just as industrialization created a quantification of what energy was and work and so it wasn't Mm -hmm. work wasn't something that human beings went out and did on a daily basis work was a feature of the universe which could be exploited in multiple ways human muscle animal muscle or ultimately heat engines um, could all produce exactly the same energy and so then the, okay. the question became how do you arrange these things into a system that's what you want okay. that's economically valuable militarily valuable whatever um, mm-hmm. what the combination of quantum physics and and computational mathematics did in the 20th century is figured out that information is tightly connected to what energy actually is and is also fully quantifiable. The whole notion of bits and bytes um, is actually a philosophical breakthrough, an understanding that 
all information can be broken down into some set of yes or no questions. Um, so okay. uh, the identification of your pet is some set of yes or no questions can distinguish your pet from every other physical object in the universe and so on. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the service that's being provided by something like the Chicago, the board of, of trade or the London metals exchange or mm-hmm. the inter, inter, intercontinental exchange. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're taking human interests and amalgamating them and, and reducing the noise in them and turning them into a stream of price information that can then Hmm. be that invisible hand that Adam Smith was talking about that price. And this, this happens all the way down to the individual level. If you go into a, you know, shopping center or grocery store or something, um, Mm -hmm. By looking at the prices that are there, you make decisions that are sort of the best decisions for you. Maybe you would like to only eat filet mignon in, in, you know, mushrooms or something, Mm -hmm. but maybe you can't afford that. Mm -hmm. And maybe, so you find what you can afford. Um, Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can, in which case that's what you go do. Um, you know, you just live off of mm-hmm. high high grade mm-hmm. ice cream until you have a heart attack. Wh- whatever makes you happy. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> those sorts of decisions are really about connecting the patterns of consumption and production so that they match up. Um, it would be essentially a disaster, and we are seeing that now with sort of you know global supply chain disruption and so on. If mm-hmm. the wood you needed to put an addition on your house, or the food that you needed to make dinner, or the water that you need on a day-to-day basis for cleaning and irrigation and drinking and so on, uh, weren't there mm-hmm. like that that would be the end of things essentially. Uh, and so these market systems allow a sort of many to many where a lot of humans can all get together and in common determine what they all want. Uh, and that's what distinguishes that kind of system from a business or government sort of bureaucratic style system of, you know, somebody says, go do this, and then their subordinates go start trying to do that. And and if what they want is sort of consonant with the world, then it's fine. And if it isn't, then you get all those sorts of right. scandalous or disastrous things where, you know, people march off to their deaths or, you know, damn right. something up that, that turns out to be where all the water that everybody, you know, was was funding the crops Mm -hmm. with or whatever, you know, those sorts of things. Um, So when you recognize that it's not about the money and it's, it's actually about the information, then all the things that we've discovered about information and incentive in the 20th century and now the 21st, which is an enormous amount becomes available to you to sort of slot in and build these 
better systems that are using better algorithms um, to figure out what that information should be. Uh, and so what I did was create this forecasting market that has more information rich signaling than the existing markets. The existing markets are basically mm -hmm. about buy or sell and and so right. people putting in a buy offer are basically saying that they think the price should go higher and people putting in a sell offer are saying right. that they think the price should go lower. Uh, mm -hmm. That means that going back to bits, there's one bit of information in those orders. But because the mm -hmm. people involved aren't God, they're not omniscient, they don't know everything, they're, they have right. some kind of built-in error that's the noise of that. So that error gets multiplied by that system. So what's actually going on is that there's less than one bit of information in each signal. And mm. the total information of the system, uh, which is where prices are, where prices are going, is enormous. And, and the system isn't inventing any of it. It's only accumulating and, and cleaning up the signals that it receives. So you're receiving signals that are less than one bit of information. You're producing this, this data torrent that is gigabytes per second or much larger than that in many cases. Um, and so the amount of information processing is enormous. And because each of those elements of information processing not only have the computer processing time attached to them, but each one of them has a cash mm. investment or a credit investment that backs it up, um, the top company in the world, the CME Group, um, claims for itself processing over a quadrillion dollars of transactions a year. Now, global mm. GDP is about a tenth of that. So they're doing 10 mm. times as much business as humanity is. Um, wow. And it's, it's all just creating instability in our day-to-day -day lives, which we're now starting to see as that's leaking through. Very true. See, a lot of people don't look at it from a, from that level that you're looking at it from, and you're able to actually you know, pinpoint a lot of the reasonings to to the logic that's today. You know, a lot of people are just products of what happens. They don't know why it happened. You know, they don't know the things that lead up to it. Um, and that's thank you for the information. You know, they're being able to kind of make a map to how things well, are the way uh, they are. Randy and, uh, Pausch uh, once said, mm -hmm. "Perspective is worth 50 IQ points." Um. And he was, he talked about, you know, imagine a maze and imagine solving, mm -hmm. um, solving a maze by being able to look down on it and draw a line or having mm -hmm. to walk through it without like mm -hmm. a string to keep track of how much harder is mm -hmm. it to walk through a hedge <laughs> maze than to look down on, on your little, you know, newspaper thing and draw the line through it. Um, oh, world's difference. Right. And so that's, that's the big advantage of these breakthroughs is that mm -hmm. 
if you can make the shift, if you can make the shift to seeing things in terms of these different concepts, then these situations mm-hmm. become a lot simpler to, to sort of understand. Um, and things like the Texas, uh, you know, situation where they had a cascade failure in their power grid. And then a month later, mm-hmm. a lot of people got, you know, thousand dollar bills in the mail because the markets had gone out of whack and the last couple gasps of electricity, they had to spend, you know, nine or $800 for, for that last few minutes of keeping the lights on. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't know that. <laughs> um, they would have turned the <laughs> <Right>. lights off. True. But, but, you know, that was just, that was just uh, a possibility that existed within the system. And, and without this information-based perspective, um, it just becomes this system where, you know, everything looks like it's fine. And then everything looks like it's a disaster. Um, when what's actually going on is we're, we're using systems that were developed during the Renaissance and we have mm-hmm. machines now that make those systems not work as well. Uh, and so we have to, we have to upgrade them. Um, it's, you know, roads, Roman roads were an amazing thing. And some of them are still, you said you're in Europe. Some of them are still in use in Europe, but they're not, <laughs> yes, they are. They're not modern mm-hmm. super highways. And if you drive an 18 wheeler at 16 miles an hour down them, number one, you'll die because <laughs> they're not set up for that. But number two, if somehow you didn't die, you would crush and destroy them um, because they're just not strong enough to put up with that, that weight and power and force. Um, and so we're in the same situation with, more social types of organizations like marketplaces where okay. the, mm-hmm. the existence of global communication and, and very tight time constraint signaling um, actually breaks those systems. Interesting there. So we're very good reference to Italy because yes, Italy's roads are outdated. Um, a lot of us Americans struggle struggle with just SUVs here. You know, everybody's with small little Fiats, and I think the roads were built for for horses. That's 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 what they tell us. They were built for horses back, you know, when they had horses uh, transporting everything. So, uh, very relatable uh, example there, Noah. <laughs> so, um, you said that you you developed a super commodity market designed to make products more profitable and economies stronger. Now, that's a very, very big task there that you said that you covered. And uh, I would like you to kind of elaborate on what, what you meant there and how let others out there know how it can help them in their day to day lives if they, were, if they were interested. Yeah, sure. Um, well, mm-hmm. so services are effectively a deadweight cost on a economy. Um, so services are great. They're it's fantastic. I've got, you know, doctors, lawyers, and so on. Um, Mm -hmm. But the service itself can essentially charge almost anything. Um, 
you know, human time could be billed out at $50 an hour or $500 an hour. Uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of modern offshoring and stuff is about moving human time expertise to places with lower costs of living so you can bill out mm-hmm. at lower costs. Um, but the service is the service. If if I'm sick and I go to the doctor, what I care about is a proper diagnosis and and hopefully some sort of some sort of, you know, intervention that will make me better. Um, if, if there's something that isn't my doctor that would produce that outcome, that's, that's a perfect substitute as far as I'm concerned. If it costs exactly the same, (laughs) then it's a perfect substitute. If it costs more, then I prefer my doctor. If it costs less, I prefer it. And, (laughs) right. And so society, if it can find these less costly alternatives to services, basically keeps going the same way, except that the people outside that industry now have more value to do things with, more time, more energy, more money. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where algorithmic improvements come in, um, where it's not sort of this crude, oh, you live in some some undeveloped place so it's cheaper to hire you it's just a better algorithm to produce the outcome so it's actually less effort and less costly that way and so that's where my system steps in and says instead of you know getting these very ephemeral very low quality signals and trying to clean them up what we do instead Mm -hmm. is say Here's the schedule of trade. You know, once a day, we're going to have corn or copper or nickel or whatever trade um, Mm -hmm. at various locations. And now, what are the prices going to be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, and so on? And so instead of having people say, oh, I think that price is too low, maybe if it was higher, it would be better or whatever they say you know i see i see this interesting thing about the oil markets or or instability where we're getting nickel from uh prices are going up and so what they do is Mm -hmm. they actually say you know next month it's up this much the month after that that much and so on and so you get these much more information rich ideas and what the my system does okay. is integrates all the perspectives together into sort of a supermind view of what the collective belief about the future looks like and then it presents mm-hmm. that collective belief along with the the integrated you know pieces so that people can see where it came from and says does anybody actually want to trade at these prices? And so what this allows the the buyers and sellers, the producers and consumers to essentially do is pre-negotiate the future path of where prices are heading. And other people mm. who want to become experts in whatever the underlying trade is can essentially make a huge return by anticipating what where the negotiations are going to go and 
sort of putting that in before the negotiators get there. So the entire drive is now around creating a more accurate projection of where the future is headed so that people can plan their businesses in production and consumption uh, more effectively. And by taking that approach, we can reduce Mm -hmm. the cost of the marketplace, which right now is pretty considerable. Um, The CME group is earning around $4 billion a year, and they are not the primary cost vector of the marketplace. Overall, um, Mm -hmm. the market overhead is in the hundreds of billions of dollars a year, uh, just in the United States. Uh, and globally, mm-hmm. probably in excess of, of trillions. Um, and so by reducing that, that, that capital would then become uh, essentially added onto the growth rate of the economy. Uh, now, it, it's not likely to be sort of perfect. Uh, some of it will go to waste okay. as, you know, people decide to throw, throw crazy parties or something, but, um, of course, of course, commodity production is low margin. If you're operating a farm with a 15% margin and your marketing costs drop from 5% overhead to 4% overhead and 80% reduction or 5% to 1% and 80% reduction, your, your farm goes from 15 to 19%. Uh, margin. And so your income um, could go from, say, $60,000 to $76,000 a year off of that kind of transformation. Wow. That's a, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to take, take in there. You got me mesmerized over here, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 founded or created, I would say, the the website uh, cordis.com. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. So to someone who heard all this great information and they were curious about, you know, just to get a prelude of what they can find on your website, what are some of the things that you have to offer on the website, which we will include the website in the show notes, uh, guys and gals that are listening. Um could you tell us what what was what's the vision of your website to to reach out to others from you know from CoreDisc.com? Well, CoreDisc is essentially a explanatory dumping ground. Um, so there's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of information there. There's sort of a Q and A version of things okay. of questions I've actually received and some of the answers that I put together. Uh, there's a little video explanation on there uh, along with. Okay some other video links to background information to learn more about game theory and, and some of the algorithms that go into this. Uh, the white paper explaining core disc is available there for download. And you can also contact me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great resource if you want to learn more about this market system uh, and, and how it functions uh, and also some market systems in general. Uh, and yes, I'd, I'd encourage people to take a look at these things and study them because the economy is is somewhat foundational. 
Um, if you think about sort of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs for an individual, you know, mm -hmm. people who don't have access mm -hmm. to food and water aren't creating great art because they're trying to find food and water. Um, similarly, societies that don't have access to, you know, building materials, machines, food, and so on, are going to disintegrate. And, and we've seen societies in our lifetimes that didn't have those things that have disintegrated. Um, and... And so this is, this is a, a foundational issue. The systems that we use right mm -hmm. now, markets, are, are mm -hmm. getting worse at doing their job. And uh, the other sort of primary proposal for how to get away from markets, um, which is essentially mm -hmm. some sort of command and control fiat fiaticracy like either governmental like communism or corporatism or whatever those have already demonstrated mm -hmm. that they're not going to work um for pretty straightforward mm -hmm. reasons so we mm -hmm. need we need new solutions um this is this is one um other people may yet invent other ones i'm unaware that anybody has yet but the existence of a solution proves that solutions exist. So let's let's take care of the true. fundamental stuff, um, and then we can we can once once we've got you know food, water, and shelter, energy, and so on worked out, then we can work on these other higher problems that we also have. I agree. And for those out there who don't know about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, you look that up. I just recently tested on some of the leadership fundamentals that they give us in the Air Force and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I've heard it again now, even though I'm not at work. So it's very uh, applicable to you know our lives and uh, the way that we can, you know, uh, associate our thought process to business. So, Noah, final question for you. Um, we on this show, we have well, I would think to, I would like to think that we have a lot of young entrepreneurs or those who may be on the fence of being an entrepreneur. You spoke about foundation, right, and having the right foundation to you know avoid these pitfalls and things that have been in place for a very long time. If you had to give, let's say, a tip or a pointer or a helper to someone who was either you know, a junior entrepreneur or someone who is thinking about being an entrepreneur, what advice would you give them based on your knowledge of so many different things of what they should focus on when it comes to, you know, marketing and, and finance and things like that? Um, I think curiosity. Um, I think, I think the, the situation we're in right now is so unstable um, because mm -hmm. there's so much that's completely new uh, that that opportunity abounds and that that's an amazing thing but it's also a terrible thing we see so many mm. we see so many of the sort of great successes that have sort of collapsed back in on themselves probably the most famous being America online which might be the most successful stock manipulation scheme in human history. Um, mm. 
there's there's this potential and and it doesn't even have to be conscious or intentional um mm. to to sort of create a great success for yourself but a great horror for the world in general <laughs> um mm. and there's so much possibility of of waste and so on but there's also enormous potentials for things to to be better for for things to change and so on and so um i think i think curiosity and intense interest is almost guaranteed to yield you something and if you kind of hopefully if you stick to your guns of of the truth then what it is you create won't be destructive um but uh but yeah the the world's sort of you know fractally complicated and so there's mm-hmm. an interesting thing a few decades ago um biologists and field biologists sort of had the tools for gene or protein sequencing virtually anything they came across and and so on um and mm-hmm. what's happened is that there's been sort of this revolution in discovery of species and so on and so it turns out that the very best place to look for completely novel life is wherever you are you don't have to go you know, mm. to Central Africa or some part of Tibet that's never been seen before. If you go out in your backyard mm-hmm. and use the incredibly powerful tools that we have to to examine everything, you'll discover something that nobody's ever seen before. Because the tools are so wow. powerful that they show mm. us things that nobody's ever seen before in what everybody's been looking at forever. And so... That kind of opportunity, it's not like, oh, you know, Twitter was cool. I need to create the next Twitter. I got to go to Silicon Valley and catch a deal. It's we have global communication, computers, you know, machine learning. All of these things are advancing enormously, cryptography and so on. Um if you can figure out how to get those things into whatever interests you, whether it's flower arranging or car repair or woodworking or anything, there's there's mm-hmm. a really good chance that there's something that's there. Um, and so go for that. I would say try to figure out how to how to take these powerful tools that are being developed and apply it to what it is that you love as part of your own learning mm. process and and see if you can find those opportunities because that I am I'm operating on a very fundamental thing but Mm-hmm. We need to expect just just as most of the activities and in institutions today bear almost no resemblance to those those activities and materials and institutions that existed pre-industrially. 
mm-hmm. you know, cities. Cities are a recent innovation. Um, cities, cities that are populated by most people. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, um, one of the people, one of the things that the people objecting to the Industrial Revolution said was that this emptying out of the countryside would mean that food couldn't be grown anymore and everyone would just starve to death. <laughs> and of course, that was correct. If you need 80% of the population to grow enough food for there to be a 20% or 25% surplus, so there's enough food to go around so that some people can live in cities, then if 40% of the people move into the cities, then everybody dies. But tractors, <laughs> combines, <laughs> um, you know. Uh-huh trains, better transportation, better production, all that stuff. And now something like two or three percent of Americans produce not only enough calories for everyone in America to get fat, but also enough calories (laughs) to export food to the entire world at the same time. Um, Mm. And so we should expect computers being sort of a more impressive tool than a steam engine we should expect there to be enormous opportunities all around us man that's you said a lot of gems there we when i edit this i'm gonna have all of the sound effects when you drop the gems like a, like a bombshell <laughs> boom you dropped a lot right there um key thing you said is also is you know i think uh outlook and your perception of things is, is a big thing. You know, you said like, hey, you may be in this backyard and you've seen or did something no one's ever did it before. A lot of people don't look at it that way. You know, they don't look for all the things that everyone else do- have, have done already. And they fail to look for something new, you know. And I did say that was my last question, but this is my last question. Okay. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> that kind of, that kind of leads me to, you know, uh, a term that they use a lot in the Air Force and that I've heard a lot myself personally is innovation. And basically uh, creating new ways and more efficient ways uh, to do things based on all the knowledge that we obtained over the years, all of the falls, all of the, the pitfalls, basically ways to conserve and do new things, right? So not it's not just a military term, of course, right? This is it's a business term, it's a life term as well. So as far as those out there who are striving to be innovative, could you give them any pointers about being innovative in today's society with all of the things that we know to this point? Um, how can others be innovative in your opinion? Well, I think innovation is ultimately about problem solving. Um, and so mm-hmm. problem solving okay. is a combination of having the tools to solve the problem and having the problem. So, so on the one side, education, um, go learn what you can about computers, information, physics, chemistry, what's going on. There's a lot of resources for this stuff. Um, people try to make it really fascinating, which is fairly easy because, you know, it, it usually is for most people. Um, and, and, you know, cut into your, cut into your Netflix time. If, if you spend a couple hours a day watching Netflix, 
maybe you spend an hour and a half watching Netflix and half an hour, you know, checking out uh, mm. uh, some stuff, some other videos that that teach you about you know, whatever it is. And then the second piece is having mm-hmm. problems. And the only way to have problems is to actually do stuff and encounter them. Um, mm. It's, you're not really going to make up the right next problem by just sort of thinking real <laughs> hard or, or, you know, pushing <laughs> real hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Jordan there's, I've seen uh, an interview with him. He was talking about the switch hands reverse dunk, which is, that's like his signature, mm-hmm. like the most impressive thing he ever did on a basketball court. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, well, I was, you know, dribbling up the the baseline and I saw the guy there and I realized he was an insane ball handler. So I switched the <laughs> dribble to my other hand um, to keep it away from him. Um, but they boxed me out and forced me mm-hmm. to jump out of bounds. And so now I've got the ball in my wrong hand and I'm out of bounds, but I'm ha- passing under the basket. And so I realized the only way to get this done is to toss it back to the other hand <laughs> and, you know, reverse dunk from behind the backboard. He had a problem. You know, it's an amazing thing, but he had a problem. If he didn't have that problem, he mm-hmm. would never have done that. He wasn't showing off. He was just solving his problem. That's that's right, where right. innovation comes from. You got to be doing stuff so you have a problem. You got to have the tools that let you solve that problem. And then something amazing happens. Wow. That was First of all, that was an outstanding uh, example you made there, and I, I really uh, hope that resonates with you all out there listening about innovation. Because yes, we all get to points where you know maybe get writer's block, you know, thinking block, whatever it may be, when you're trying to be creative. But I think a key thing that Noah said here was, you know, about problems and not you know you have to identify these problems and you know be accurate with identification of the problems and not creating problems by just thinking hard, right? That's something that not self-made simple problems, you know, just actual problems that we need to solve. So um, thank you so much, Noah, for joining us today. I appreciate all of your insight uh, for our listeners out there, uh, Cordis.com, which we will have the uh, in the show notes. And also when we share on Instagram, the links that you can find more of Noah. Uh, if you're very serious about learning fundamentally, you know, how to be innovative and, uh, a lot of good fundamentals for your business as entrepreneurs out there. I would suggest giving uh, Noah a ring uh, or contact him some way. Uh, very good conversation today. And that's why I continue to podcast because also I'm learning as well through the work and experience of others uh, is a beautiful thing. And that's how, you know, I'm in Italy. He's on the East coast. We make these sessions happen and information is priceless and, and so valuable to everyone out there who listened to the show. So thank you so much, Noah, for joining me today in this conversation and flavoring your podcast. And before we close, do you have any closing remarks for the audience or any you know, last uh, save rounds that you have? How do you feel about the episode? Anything you like to get off your chest for the last couple of minutes? Uh, no, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, I was sort of. Yeah, that's 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 who I am. And that's uh, what mm-hmm. I got to say. If uh, if you got more questions, feel free to reach out. 
Okay, so outside of your website, is that the primary way of finding you, or do you have an email or LinkedIn or anything that yeah, you'd like to? Yeah, website's the primary way to find me, but um, yeah, I am on LinkedIn. I'm Noah Healy on LinkedIn. I'm uh, old enough okay. that I got my name most places, uh, so so most of the Noah Healy's online are me, uh, and uh, Noah P. Healy uh, at Yahoo is my, my contact email address. Actually, um, okay. The, I'm pretty sure what happened was I signed up for Noah Healy and then I forgot the password. And then when I went back in, I had to take <laughs> Noah P. Healy. So, so not only are most of the Noah, like all of the Noah Healy's are me on Yahoo, but uh, yeah, Noah P. Healy, I can actually access that, that address uh, at yahoo.com. Sweet. So as you all can see, he's a, he's, he's a man of memory. He remembers how that story went. He's a very smart guy. But hey, thank you all out there for <laughs> for listening. Noah, you were a ton of fun. I thank you for joining the show. Thank you for making time to be available. Um, I'm sure that our listeners will definitely get a lot of value out of this episode and just picking your brain apart. And that's like, like I said, that's why I do these things. And that's why I, I reach out to unique guests who I feel are unique. Um, I, I literally, uh, you know, I, I kind of screen everybody that comes on the show, making sure they have something I feel is worthwhile, whether it be crazy or whether it be super serious, you know, this is what flavor your podcast is a variety of different topics to help our listeners out there. So thank, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will catch you all on the next one. We appreciate your listening ear. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Please leave an honest review, subscribe, and share. Listen to us on all platforms. Follow us and ask questions on Twitter at Marquis Podcast Mailbag. Follow us on IG at Flavor In Your Ear Podcast. And like our Facebook page, Flavor In Your Ear Podcast. For exclusive content, info, special offers, and free entry into our monthly giveaways, send your email address to flavorinyourear247 at gmail.com to join our email list. If you're anxious, we have a snippet following our next episode's topic. Peace and love.